Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Orange is the New Black, a podcast for diehard Bengals fans. I'm your host, Ace Boogie. My co-host is with me, Zem Hude. Zem, how you feeling? I'm feeling great, man. I'm, I'm feeling great. We off the fresh bye. I don't have a stressful Sunday. I had a relaxing day on Sunday. How about yours? How was your day? Uh, my day was My day was kind of a mixed bag. I think it was good because, you know, Right now, the Bengals have the number one pick, but the nervousness is kind of setting in on can they maintain that throughout the rest of the season. Before we get into it, though. (laughs) Can they maintain losing? (laughs) Can they maintain losing, which hasn't been hard so far. But before we get into it, be sure that you subscribe to us. Um, We're in on every podcast platform that you can think of under the name Cincy Jungle. Uh, We start our podcast with the acronym O. I-T-M-B, so be sure that any episode that you listen to, that will be me and Zim, but also check out the other ones. We also have the Orange and Black Insider, which you guys are probably familiar with if you're listening to us. Uh, We also have Matt Minish as well. Be sure to follow him. He did some Mm -hmm. breakdowns and things of that nature. Uh, But He had a great breakdown of uh, some college uh, quarterbacks this past week, too, if you get a chance. Definitely a great breakdown, but let's get into it. So, obviously, the last time we were recording them, something happened, and it was crazy because it it happened right after we finished recording. But the Bengals benched Andy Dalton. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows that we've been pretty much praying for that since we started the podcast and before that, preceding that. He should have been benched before he went to London. He should have been benched right there. What are your thoughts, I guess? I know everyone probably wants to hear. What are your thoughts on the benching in general, like his reaction, what, what it means going forward and all of that? I think I think this, the crazy thing is about it is that I feel like a lot of Bengals fans are still coddling Dalton, right? And I, and I, and I want to take Andy Dalton out of conversation. Imagine if anybody else were to come and speak out on how they handle the situation, how they, how they the timing of it. And then you get all these stories out of it. Somehow it was his birthday and all that other stuff. I want to talk to all you people right now. It, let, let's say that was Pac-Man Jones. Let's say that was Drake Kirkpatrick. Let's say that was anybody else probably besides maybe A.J. Green. Why do y'all have so much sympathy for a guy that's had unlimited chances? For any franchise in the NFL, yeah, you could harp on like how he his first five seasons. Cool. But we're beyond that. We're in season nine. There are a lot of different things that uh, – there are no franchise that I could think of that would have gave him a leash that long for all of the bad play. 
and people will say, well, that was the offensive line. It's not just the offensive line. So what I was saying is after he had that three-pick uh, second half over, um, what was that, the Cardinals game right before London? Uh, the Jaguars game. The Jaguars. Jaguars game. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah, I'm getting them all confused because there's just a bunch of mess of not good quarterback play. But um, he should have been benched at that point. So it's like this this big following of people that are just like feeling so much sympathy for him. Like, no, he had a lot of chances last year when they when they pretty much got rid of the offensive coordinator and all these different things were happening around him. No one ever, ever thought about putting this guy on a bench. And he had some of the worst performances like he's ever had. And this was his redemption year. They gave him eight weeks to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, why do y'all feel any type of way just because it was birthday? Do you feel like – and I feel like it was real, like, for everybody saying that Dalton is such an amazing guy and everything like that. If a player comes out to the media and says, I don't like how they handled it and they gave me – only gave me three hours to get traded. Like, he's telling you that, yeah, he's ready to get up out of Cincinnati. So all this sympathy y'all have on he's like, yeah, the first time I got some bad news in my nine-year tenure, they haven't ever talked about benching me. Here, here it is. Now I I played a terrible game. Um, I'm pretty sure y'all will give me an excuse for that. I played a bad game or a game that didn't do anything to elevate anyone else, and I'm 0-8. But, yeah, yep, I don't even care. I'm not going to get behind anybody. I'm not going to be quiet and play the nice guy role anymore. I'm frustrated, and I'm going to let you know I want to be traded. I don't want to say anything triumphant like, hey, I'm going to work my butt off, and I want my next opportunity to show you guys that I am a good quarterback whether that's here or anywhere else, he could have came out and said that, but instead he says, no, nah, I want to get traded. I don't feel any sympathy for him. I'm appreciative of what he's done for all that time. But come on, bro, it's been time to move on from him. And then the storyline is this his birthday? No, the storyline is you're 0-8. It's time to go to the bench. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, I don't get that. Like, do you understand? Like, what what do you feel about, like, the whole Dalton coverage, like, he should have been bitch. Anybody throw three picks in the second half like that? on a Like, you go out, like, immediately. They gave him an opportunity to get back in the game, drive down the thing, then go to London just right. to play another bad game. And y'all got sympathy right. for him? Like, what are y'all talking about? He's not even getting pressured on these plays. Like, what are we talking about? Like, you're on eight. It's time for a change. Get over it. Well, I think uh... – them you spoke a lot of facts there uh for me i think i tend to agree with you i mean andy dalton has had countless times i can recall the days of aj mccarron even being here where i thought that there were times like that ravens home opener where it was just an abysmal game where aj mccarron should have at least have gotten a look right you know you look around the nfl and you see any quarterback that goes in and throws three interceptions Normally what proceeds to happen next is they get benched. And it doesn't matter who it is, unless it's like Tom Brady or a Drew Brees or something like that. Those guys have earned the benefit of the doubt. You talk about the Aaron Rodgers and those guys. They've earned the benefit of the doubt. But when you go out there and you throw multiple interceptions and it's just interception after interception. I mean, this guy, after a Brandon Wilson punt return, turns around and throws another interception. And these aren't interceptions that you can blame on the line. These were from clean pockets. This was just obviously, you know, mistakes made by Andy Dalton. Um, And to me, I just feel like the standard that he's been nurtured with, 
uh, has been unlike any other franchise in the NFL. Number one, they never brought in a serious threat to unseat him at the position. So he's never really had to really even deal with there being a potential replacement there. He's never had anyone drafted that could come in and possibly be better than him. Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, as we talked about, neither of those guys have been taken. He's always had the full confidence of this front office, which is very unique when you look around the league. He's been coddled. And so for him to come out, and I understand him being upset about, well, if you knew this, you would have traded me and things of that. But, I mean, that probably was not Zach's final, like, decision. He probably, if he felt like after the Jaguars game he wanted to make a move, maybe he had to clear that through Mike Brown. We don't know exactly what went on. But to be honest with you, ironically, I don't think that it was the Jags game that actually made Zach bench Andy. I think it was the fact that in that Rams game, that, that uh, tweet that you pulled up, Zem, the third and ten, he's seeing him go out and completely give up on this team. Like, whether you want to believe it or not, when it's a third and ten people and you're down by two scores in a game that there's still enough time for you to come back in and you're throwing the ball out of bounds, you're giving up. And we've seen Andy Dalton do that before. I really think that was why Zach Taylor was like, look, from quarterback to quarterback, I'm not giving up on a play like that, and I'm done. And so I think that's why he ultimately was removed from the starting position because he just doesn't have the personality that breathes I want to win no matter what. It doesn't – like, I don't see the Joe Mixon, like, moxie that he has. It doesn't flow out of Andy Dalton. He's never been a guy that's inspired a locker room to, uh, you know, stay from turmoil and inspire winning. He's never done that. He's never been that guy. So, for them to do it how they did, I was good with that. I didn't have a problem with it being his birthday. They came, uh, they came back from London. So, I mean, obviously that probably threw off things in terms of the timing. It's not their fault that the next day that they probably get back if they're off or if there's any delay, that the next day is the deadline, and it happens to be the bye week, which – Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're like everybody's bashing the front office about, like, why Why they handle it like that? Like, that's the way I had to go. Like, what's the, what do you want to tell them on, on the flight back to London? Right, exactly. And so, like, I just feel like that's kind of ridiculous, especially given that – after the three-interception game in Jacksonville, Zach pretty much came to his defense and defended him on every single thing. And even when he made the decision, he still defended Dalton. He said that this wasn't anything to do with the quarterback position, which we all knew that it was, but he didn't dress it up that way. He could have easily have bashed him in the media. He could have easily have bashed him any kind of way. He didn't do that. So for Andy to act how he did, uh, to me, was just, it was just indicative of what Andy Dalton is. I understand that you've done things for the community. We understand that you're a great person, right? But just because you're a model citizen or what some people uh, claim to be a model citizen, that doesn't mean that you just get to throw three interceptions, not win games for this team, and nobody hold the quarterback critically accountable. 
Like that, that's what happens in this sport. This is a sport where the quarterback gets all the glory when things are going good, and they get all the blame when things are going bad, and they have to rise to the occasion. And Andy Dalton has not rise to the occasion. That gave him eight games. He didn't have to give him eight games. He, he waited. It, he waited until they were zero and eight, basically, until a point where okay, we're not going to have a winning season at all, and decided to bench him. I see right. nothing wrong with it. Man, look at Kirk Cousins and all these guys. They ran him out of D.C., and he had some of the best statistical, like, games like you could imagine. Like, when you don't win, the town runs you out of a city. I've never seen an organization get the backing of uh, their fan base for losing for a guy. Most people are outraged. I live in Washington, D.C. Everyone agreed that Kirk Cousins needs to get out of it. Kirk Cousins was throwing for 300, 400 yards a week. You like that? You like that? Like those type of games, clutch moment games, winning games at the end. And at the end of the day, if they didn't go to playoffs, nope, out of here. And they ran him out of town. You look at Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky. He's currently on a team that is, what, uh, three and four, four and four, whatever. I don't even know. But Mitchell Trubisky last year, although he was just running and running, he was looked at the, as the future of the Chicago Bears. Now, fast forward to this year, not a whole eight years later, not a whole couple years later, just seven games later into the season, they are already thinking, who's the next quarterback coming to town? That's why you saw Dalton in the headlines thinking about uh, the Bears should trade for Dalton. Nobody gives, te- nobody gives quarterbacks this type of time that you Dalton lovers are giving this guy. Like, I don't think y'all understand. No one cares about the offensive line. No one cares about the defense. None of that stuff. We are not crazy for saying the quarterback position is the most important position. If you do not win, you go down with the, non, the non-winning formula. If you win, you get all the accolades and the glory. Like, it, it, like San Francisco has a marginally way better defense this year, but it doesn't matter. Jimmy G will get all the headlines. If they lose, you're looking right at him, and that's just the way it is. And Mitchell Trubisky is a perfect example of a guy last year was thought as the future, a couple games in, is not delivering, probably probably has more clutch moments than Dalton has in the last two years, in the last year and this year combined, and they're already talking about him gone. Bench him, get him out of here, trade him. Next and it's topic. funny, and it's funny <laughs> that you say that. Before we, before we uh, get off of this topic, because we've talked about it at nauseum, but the last thing that I'll say is we talked about the Chicago Bears trading for him. They asked that question to Charlie Casserly live on NFL Network, and he said, what is Andy Dalton going to do? He's not going to fix your long-term solution. He's not going to be the long-term solution at, exactly. at the Bears for the Bears. He said the, the, Bengals should have, the Bengals should have taken a quarterback last year. He said the yep. Bengals should have taken a quarterback the past couple of years. The he past two years, Dalton, they should have been. We, all we did was waste time. All we did is waste time for the inevitable. All we did. Andy Dalton has a ceiling. It's been reached. Next statement, let's move on. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, 
or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. So next topic. So that's how I feel about that. <laughs> next topic. Let's so, talk about... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> it's getting emotional over here. Let's go. All right. So the ne- no, uh, um, well, the next thing that I was going to say is I wanted to do a recap of were any games uh, this past Sunday now that we had the bye week, were there anything that stood out to you besides quarterback play, anything that you observed or anything that you wanted to highlight from uh, from uh, teams around the league? Uh, I would probably say the first thing that I would highlight is obviously the Dolphins won and they beat the Jets. They actually played the Jets again, so I'm hoping that they can win again. Uh, but outside of that, the only thing that I really looked around and saw were two quarterbacks that we could have had. Um, also, if you follow me on Twitter at New Stripe City, you've heard me talk about them, bring them up as constant examples. Uh, Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. It it just really sucks to sit back on a bye week and just think about what, what could have been, especially with Lamar Jackson, considering that this is a guy that's in our division and we're going to have to deal with him for the next 10 seasons. This is a guy that Bill Belichick couldn't even come up with a game plan to even defend. And this is a guy that we passed on. Then <sighs> what what were your thoughts about looking around the league this past weekend? Um, I, I was saying the same thing, and I, I come back to I thought the Patriots and Ravens game was perfect. There are a couple of games I thought were really, really cool. I, I really watched all of that Chargers game. Um, I thought that was a really good game as well. But uh, the the cool thing about the Ravens and the Patriots game is this. Here we have a historically amazing defense, right? <laughs> like this is the defense that all Bengals fans dream of. This is the one that your grandfather's grandfather told you about. Defense wins championships. We winning in the trenches. This is a team that doesn't allow any points. But what happened? You get a dynamic playmaker that cannot be game-planned, cannot be schemed against, whether that's at the wide receiver uh, position. Uh, I feel like Antonio Brown was always that. Like, if any, if you put him on any any team, he's that dynamic of a player that he absolutely changes the game plan. But when you have it at the quarterback position, like Lamar Jackson did, it doesn't matter what you do or what you thought you had in place because not even just running, improvising. When we start talking about the quarterbacks, Tua and Burrow moving forward, going into this draft, I'm going to be highlighting improvising. I don't need a quarterback that can scramble for 100 yards a game. It just so happens that Lamar Jackson is that. But he improvises where you cannot stop it. He pays attention to every movement that your linebackers make. And if you make one false move, he's gone. And that's that's what happens when you try to build up this perfect defense. You get a playmaker like that going, and you put him around guys like A.J. AJ Green, Joe Mixon, Tyler Eifert, Gio Bernard. You put that around them? Like, imagine Lamar. Lamar Jackson isn't even throwing to nothing. Hollywood Brown had three catches, and, and that's a rookie we're talking about. We're not talking about anything astronomically good. Took out the best team in the NFL from the quarterback position. Just dynamic in every aspect of the game. Doesn't have to throw for 300, 400 yards. 
But if I can convert on third downs, I can win. And I, I thought that game was very, very special. And it and it made it made me sad and I cut it off too because I remember when they brought Lamar Jackson into Cincinnati and all of us were so excited. We were like, man and then later on we got reports from like Lapham and people saying like, Yeah, they just did that almost like a smoke screen. We know exactly what they're gonna do. But Lamar Jackson was right there. And people say, Well, he wouldn't have had the same success as Cincinnati. I disagree. I feel like they would have made the game plan even more simpler for him. And somebody like a Zach Taylor, although isn't um, uh, Greg Roman or whatever, he he has enough smarts to say, look, I can get these guys in this space. And at the end of the day, if it's not there, Lamar Jackson's going to take off and run. And that's but what it is. But that's Zim, what we're trying I'm going to channel my inner Bengals combatants here with some of the replies that I got to saying stuff similar to that, Zim. And I want you to respond. But Zim. The Ravens, they have an amazing offensive line, and they have a great coordinator <laughs> and a great, Do they? great defense, and that would never work in Cincinnati. Lamar Do Jackson they? would never have the success that he's having in Baltimore and Cincinnati. Do they? What? So the Ravens' defense, that is so amazing. Can you even name one linebacker? When we played them, I asked this on Twitter. I asked this on I said, name me one of their linebackers. Nobody could even do it. You don't even know who those guys are. Like, you're you're going off of, like, uniforms. Like, that is not a elite defense. If Lamar Jackson doesn't convert on third downs, their defense gets worn out just like the Cincinnati Bengals. I, in fact, I almost, without Earl Thomas being there or whatever, I would almost put Cincinnati's defense at the same exact level. I don't – they they have two pass rushers that are not elite. I feel like we match up very very well for them. Like like their scheme on defense outside of their athleticism at linebacker. Outside of that, we're very comfortable to them. And a lot of their guys like their starting corners like Jimmy Smith and guys like that aren't even there. It's just about being, keeping your defense fresh. Like that's it. And then the, and then if they wouldn't um, excel here in Cincinnati, I do think that Marvin Lewis would have hindered his. I do. I would agree with that, but I don't think a young coach like a Zach Taylor is going to put any type of reins on him or stop him from doing what he's got to do. And Greg Roman has the formula for uh, RPOs, and he has the formula for that. I feel like uh, Zach Taylor has the formula for play action passing, and I think you might see him run a little bit less and a lot more quick throws or whatever. But I still think it works, and I still think it works, and it plays towards his strength. And, you and, know and, why? And then the other thing is A.J. Green. And all these right. guys are there. <laughs> right. Like, it's not like he has to do all that. Like, for Baltimore, he has to do all of that stuff. For, but for the Bengals, he does not. That's the sad thing about this offense right now. It's like, how do they only manufacture 10 points a game when you got all of these guys that I would consider, like, above average or Tyler Boys and A.J. Greens that are elite at their position? Joe Mixon, elite at his position. Like, I mean, you could put a lot of it on the on the offensive line for the run blocking, but pass blocking, like I just don't, I, I I don't know. Lamar improvising, finding them guys open, it's just no way to stop it. There would be no way to stop that. It's just funny to me that you brought up RPOs because people are like, oh, they'd never be able to use use him here. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't Bill Lazor's whole offense last year built off of RPOs? Is that not what it was built off of? Absolutely. And this is the thing, too. People talk in, about – In the red zone, he was crazy. In the red zone, he was amazing, too. Super crazy. And people talk about, you know, their run game, this and that. Lamar Jackson, it doesn't matter. And I hate to say it, but it doesn't matter what running back is back there. Because when we first played them last year, 
we had issues with Gus Edwards. Now, that's not a slight against Gus Edwards, but the fact is when you have Lamar Jackson that has an – when he has an option on the play to keep the ball or to hand it off to the running back, that is going to stop defenders in their tracks. That's going to open gaps that shouldn't have been there. That's going to cause all kind of issues for the defense. And can you imagine what that would be, what Zim is saying, like what that would be like for Mixon? Like, yeah, the Bengals' offensive line is horrible, but can you imagine how many, you know, creases may open just because a linebacker is stuck in his tracks? Like, should I go with Mixon or should I go with Lamar? I don't know which one. Ah, next thing you know, it's a 10-yard game by <laughs> Look at London Mixon on the play. Look at London. As soon as they start opening up just a little bit of run, just a little bit of run, the two tight end looks that they came in with them when they got out of the uh, uh, 11 personnel, that alone opened up a couple different holes. They got the matchups that they wanted. Now, the Rams adjusted in the second half. But just that little bit of opening right there is just showing you what happens when you get the correct matchups or you get a linebacker thinking. Once you do that, all the holes were open up. Early in that Rams game, Mixon was going crazy in that game. I thought he was about to have like 120 yards. They adjusted in the second half, and then the Bengals did not make the correct adjustments from the quarterback position. Right, like right. that's that's the crazy thing. Like the quarterback would have offset that. That's it's, just, it's maddening to me. Like, like that's so, a game. They were in so many games this year. Where right. Just one possession, two possessions, or third down conversions in a game just to keep a defense fresh, just to have a quarterback make a play at the end of the game. The Bills game, the Seahawks game, and even even the Cardinals games. All these games, they're all winnable games and it doesn't fall on the defense. Right, right. So, to bring things home, we got one last topic to talk about before we get out of here, Zoom. The Bengals have the number one pick. What are your thoughts about the number one pick, and who do you think, if the draft were today, who would you be taking with that pick and why? Um, If the draft were today, I would take – see, today I feel Tua. Tomorrow I might feel Burrow. I think Burrow absolutely is the number one – player in college football, like for a Heisman, right? And Jalen Hurts is probably right behind him. The, but the, but it's, it's, if you don't watch a lot of college football, I don't either. I just watch a lot of highlights, and then I go to this draft website where they give me, like, all the information I need. LSU system is so perfect for passing, it makes it, like, it's not a good assessment for me. Everything that they do is amazing. The wide receivers are amazing, everything. Tua's offense is a lot more balanced and has a lot more running to it but Tua improvises in the glimpses that he does are Russell Wilson-like. I was telling Ace that off the uh, air or whatever. So either one of those two will be my guy. I'm just so afraid. I'm so afraid that Ryan Finley just – like, this is the thing. Ryan Finley is going to do just enough. And with A.J. Green healthy, Ross coming back, uh, Darius Phillips coming back, all these guys coming back, He'll do just enough to win some of these games that we should have won early on in the season. And think about Ryan Finley was picked at the same spot that Dalton was. I really think that I thought about this long hard. Front office is absolutely buying into Ryan Finley if he just shows them a little bit because they, they're operating off of we did it once, we could do it again. We can get a, a quarterback in a second. And remember I was giving you that scenario last week where they come back and they go get like a Chase Young or something like, mind you, 
the, you still got to be at the number three pick to get like a Chase Young. But right. I really, I really feel as though that the Bengals front office is so silly that they are absolutely thinking about Ryan Finley being the quarterback of the future with with generational talent at quarterback with Tua and Burrow right there. I've never seen a guy rise in the in the draft like Burrow has or whatever, but it's warranted. But the only caveat to it is that Burrow's system is so perfect, the scheme. Like, I, I, out of 260 passes, I think he only has, like, 40 incompletions. It's that. Wow. It works It works like a great machine. I, wow. I'm, I said 40 is really, like, 50. Tua doesn't pass. He only has 176 passing attempts. But Tua is asked to do a little bit less because it's a, it's, it's a run-first scheme. And, and, and you want to talk about in the trenches. They absolutely are the biggest offensive line in football. So it's a different thing, so it's hard to gauge. But from a Heisman uh, perspective, Burrow, yeah. Uh, from a Bengals perspective, I just really, really believe Tua is probably a better option. It just scares me so much because Finley, in these games that they lost, all Dalton had to do was check down sometimes, make just a simple throw. All these plays that we're talking about, like, damn, all the tape was wide open. Damn, this guy did this. Damn, this guy, you know what I'm saying? All Finley has to do is make the simple play. And it's the same thing we were saying with A.J. McCarron. Finley is definitely smart enough, and he is not shell-shocked. He will make the simple play. They will simplify the game plan. He will find the one-on-one matchup, and that is it. With those guys around him, and you get the running game, like they, I, I think they, they hit something and they found a little bit in the running game, you start doing that, I'm telling you, the front office is absolutely going to be looking at Ryan Finley because they're, they're trying to replicate what they did before. They're banking on Tyler Eifert being 29, and they're just saying, hey, we're going to let him play. We're going to sign him again. We're going to get him again, and he's going to ball out, and he's going to be 31 years old. And You know what I mean? Like, I, I really think because you would have moved those guys. You would have moved. Uh, you would have moved Gino. You would have moved Dunlap. You would have moved uh, Eifert. They're over. They're over hyping their value of some of these players, just like they have in the past, and they're making the same mistakes. I see it already on the wall. The only thing that could bail them out is a quarterback that can improvise. But they gotta move some of those guys if they're really thinking about the future. The window just does not work. I'm sorry, it does not work. Okay, so I think Zim pretty much agrees with Tua, but he still has concerns, which I have the same concerns, that Ryan Finley could have some success. Uh, Coming up on Thursday, we will preview and talk more about Ryan Finley. We'll look ahead to the game um, and probably also talk about what we didn't talk about this time, Carson Palmer's kind of comments about the Bengals front office. Um, So we look forward to seeing you guys here back on that next episode. Be sure to tweet us. Hold on. What about your friend? What about your uh, guy? Who do you want? Everybody knows who I want. I mean, I think it's pretty (laughs) obvious, right? I think everybody, if you follow me on Twitter at New Stripe City, you know who I want. You already know who I'm trying to tank for. It's, It's Tua. It's Tua. Now, I'm not opposed to Joe Burrow. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people think, oh, Ace, you go so hard for for Tua that, you know, you don't want Burrow. I'm good with Burrow either. I'm good with either one. But if I had the number one pick and I was getting ready to pick a quarterback, it's definitely going to be Tua. And that's just not based off of him going to Alabama or anything. Just do your research, people. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is I plead with you, just go and look up some information about what NFL scouts are saying about him, what he compares to. Turn on some actual film. And when you watch the film, don't only focus on his receivers. Focus on how he throws them open 
and makes these throws in so many different windows and look at his numbers and don't I'm so tired of hearing he's the next AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron, like I said on the last show, threw thirty touchdowns in his best season. Tua has twenty seven and seven games. It's not the same player. So, like I said, I'm taking Tua. Chase Young, no. Chase Young isn't fixing this team, man. He's not <laughs> fixing this team, people. Like I, I imagine waking up and saying, Yeah, Chase Young is gonna take us to the Super Bowl. Who says that? Like, Nobody. Like, think about what y'all saying. Do you wake up and say, "Oh, Khalil Mack"? Like, say you're, uh, say you're a Bears fan. Oh man, we're going to Super Bowl. Khalil Mack is going to take us. What to are the they talking about? What are the Bears like, talking about all right like, now? Like, do y'all think quarterback is going to be Khalil Mack? Like, uh, off the break? No. And let's say he's better than Khalil Mack. Do you think that a defensive superstar is going to take you to the promised land? Like, <laughs> like you said, that's, like, that's like silly to me. That's silly. When we were, when we were talking before this, Zem made a great point. J.J. Watt, the Texans, he was Khalil Mack before Khalil Mack, right? Texans yep. could never – they could barely get a playoff win with J.J. Yep. Watt. You know why? Because they had Brandon Hoyer as a quarterback. They couldn't figure out the quarterback position. Yep. J.J. Watt gets injured. They ship off Clowney, another guy that was supposed to be just like Chase Young. Right? Doesn't do, any, doesn't do what anything happened? for the – doesn't matter. You can replace a Clowney all day, but you cannot – Replace what what, what uh, Dabo Sweeney is calling the Michael Jordan as a quarterback. Deshaun Watson. I mean, go look at that game. That game without him. Like, just go look at Pat Mahomes. Go look at the Chiefs, uh, the first half of that Chiefs game. That Chiefs game is predicated on a big defensive effort and a good team win, right? But early in that game, they were super struggling until they figured out ways to get uh, 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 Tyree Hill the ball and stuff like that. And their quarterback did step up in those moments. But without Patrick Mahomes, totally different football team. Like, the defense doesn't look as good. The whole scheme doesn't look as good. They were struggling. They didn't even have 10 points. And we go into the third quarter, then they start going crazy on different things that it was a good team win. And you could sell me on, like, yes, football is a team win, but the quarterback position is so important to your belief. Without Pat Mahomes coming back, do you think a Chiefs fan actually thinks they're going to the Super Bowl? No. There's not one. No. So why do y'all wake up and think like, oh, we got so many things we got to fix. Let's just go get Trace Young and let's go get a defensive powerhouse and ride our ways to the Super Bowl in the promised land. No. <laughs> get the quarterback and then go get all these guys around him because you're not even going to have enough money. Like, all right, all right that's the whole some, of the, some of the best passes like, oh, oh. right now, Von Miller, Khalil Mack, all of the best pass rushes right now are on teams that aren't winning. That's all I got to say. That's Boom. all I gotta say. Boom. Uh, but we will see. They don't. Guys. Win, they don't win Super Bowls. They win. They win games. You know, but they don't win Super Bowls. I'm gonna just say that. Right. Exactly. What so I want to do. Been, this has been the Orange is <laughs> the New Black podcast. It's been a steamy one, but we will catch you guys back here on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in. And Yo, man, we'll catch you guys later. Amen. Who they? Who they? We gonna win, baby. Who they? Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.